The NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week for round two of the NBA playoffs, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can turn a small bet into a big payday. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds, and more. And boom, you have a shot for an even bigger payout. Right now, all customers can place a Same Game Parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code FORGOTTENSEASONS. Bet just $5 on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code FORGOTTENSEASONS only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Only thing unplugged is Forgotten Seasons. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Forgotten Seasons. This is your host, Dylan Dreyfus. Today we got a big one, one of my favorite players of all time, Gilbert Arenas on the 2004-05 Wizards, his breakout season in the league. If you've been following the page for a minute, you know that I love a good breakout season. Just something about looking back at those moments where a player takes that leap from good player to star, I just think is so cool. Gil really cooked the whole league this year. He averaged 25, 5, and 5, hit two and a half threes a game, shot it at 37%. By his side were two incredibly underrated hoopers, Antoine Jameson and Larry Hughes. The three nearly completed the rare 20 point per game trifecta. Gil and Hughes were over 20, but Jameson fell just under at 19.6. That trio fueled the Wizards to 45 wins and the five seed. They won their first playoff series in over 20 years, and overall, vibes were just high in D.C. Let's get into this one now. Before we do, quick reminder, check out the rest of the Showtime Basketball Catalog. Head over to the YouTube page to see everything we have to offer. Drop a rating and a review on this podcast. Those really, really help, so appreciate that. And without further ado, Forgotten Seasons on the 2004-05 Wizards with Gilbert Arenas begins right now. Gilbert Arenas, Mr. No Chill Gil. How you doing today, man? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Great to have you here today. We're going to be going back to 2004-05, your breakout season. I know you won most improved in 2003, but Mm -hmm. this is the year where you really take the leap from, you know, good, good, solid player score to full out superstar. Uh, So sort of just setting the stage real quickly for your, your career. You spend the first two years in Golden State, uh, again, you win most improved in 03, and then you sign a deal in Washington in 03 or 04. Yeah. In 03 or 04, isn't the best season. You only win 27 games. Uh, what 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 sort of doesn't go right in that first season for you before we get into the season of focus? Um, everybody was new. You know, new coach, new junior manager. Um, I'm coming there. Jordan just leaving. You know, so the whole team was, you know, it was in the middle of this phase of trying to rebuild, you know, because when Jordan was there, you know, you had Rip Hamilton. Um, I think you had one of the Wallaces there at the time. No, no, that was before. So you had, um, you had MJ, yeah, you had ben, Stackhouse. Yeah. You had Stackhouse, you had Rip, you know, Larry Hughes, uh, Tyrone Lou. So you had a pretty older team. 
Um, and then, you know, they draft a couple of young, you know, young players. So um, by the time I got there, they were trying to really, you know, really fully change into just rebuilding, a rebuilding situation. So um, Stackhouse was the leader. Um, I was coming in as the, as the face. You know, that's what they paid me for to come in as the face. Um, but Kwame Brown was, you know, really the face of the franchise because he was the number one pick. Um, there was really no talks of, you know, Kwame Brown when, when I got there. Um, and I got there, shit, damn near, after I signed, I probably got there in August and was already training with the team and training with some of the players and, you know, um, trying to just to get to know each other. Mm-hmm. So setting the, the table a little bit, 0405. So in the draft, you guys take Devin Harris with the fifth pick, flip that for Antoine Jameson, who you played with in Golden State, along with Larry Hughes. Uh, so what was it like sort of just like reuniting that trio where you didn't have success in Golden State, but I assume you guys are close. Like, do you think that that you can succeed together as a trio? And, and what is it like just being reunited with those guys after being with them just, just a few years before that? You know, it was, it was, a, it was, when we were at Golden State, it was like, a, it was a weird combination because I wasn't part of the team, really. Mm-hmm. Um, when Larry was there, I'm the one who took Larry's spot when he got hurt. And they brought Larry off the bench. But I guess Larry noticed that we played well together. We actually played well together. And I don't think Larry wanted to be a point guard. Everyone, because of his size, his passability, I think everyone wanted him to be a point when he was a slashing two. Mm-hmm. So the times that we were on the court together, it was like magic. It's like we played well together at Golden State. So when I was a free agent, he was the one who called me to, to get me over in Washington. So that first year, it was more about getting to know each other again. Um, the offense was very hard because it was more of a, a thinking man's offense. And, you know, when you're talking about 18, 19, 20, 20-year-old kids in doing Golden more State? thinking. Yeah. No, no, no. Who's in Washington. In Washington. So we had the Princeton offense with Eddie Jordan. Mm-hmm. So this is the same offense that um, Sacramento was using. With Bibby and him. Yeah. And then um, Jason Kidd went to the finals two years straight with that offense. You know, so telling a coach, like, hey, I don't know about this offense, you know, it's, it's, it, it was yeah. successful. But we were too, we were young. So we struggled. We struggled that first year with that offense. And then, I mean, you have such a leap into year two in Washington. I know the team changes, but just reading the pieces, Eddie Jordan, where during the season in 03 or 04, kind of throwing like digs at you, like, you know, Gil's got to grow up if he wants to be a leader. Going into that summer, all he's saying is, you know, Gil's, Gil's completely changing. He's working on his game. Does something click in your brain going in from year one to year two in Washington? And, and what, what is that if so? Yeah, so me and Eddie Jordan at the end of the season, um, we had the big, you know, you had that, that exit meeting. And we were trying to figure out why weren't we successful? And one, we were young. And I said, one, you know, the offense is complicated. You know, um, you, know you have so many options, and, and everyone here is not that smart. And you might have to dumb down the offense, be, or you just get smarter fucking people. You know, <laughs> you get smarter players, you know, that can really just play basketball, that knows how to play the game. You know, there's a difference between having a bunch of Golden State players that all have an IQ of basketball versus just athletes. You know, so Mm -hmm. what he did was we went to, 
He took me to the New Jersey playoff game. So to watch playing? Jason Kidd. So he's, you know, we're we're sitting there, you know, I'm we're watching, trying to watch how they use the offense. Who are they, they playing? The I don't remember. I don't remember who they were playing. Um, but it was it was the Nets, it was a home game. Um, and he wanted me to just to watch the tempo of how Jason Kidd ran the offense and and I remember I'm sitting there, it was like, yo, they suck in a half court. Like this, like they're horrible in a half. They're great in a fast break. They're horrible in a half court. And I was like, yo, Eddie, the offense is not going through Jason Kidd. It's going through, you know, Kenyon Martin and um, it's Kenyon Martin, Richard Jefferson, and Kittles. one of, and one of the Collins. But that's who's touching the ball in a half court. It wasn't really Jason Kidd. Um, so what he did was he gave me the playbook and he says, all right, find your offense, create the plays off of our personnel. You know, you want to be a leader. You want to be successful. Here's your chance. He gives me the playbook, and I took that shit serious. I'm like, if I'm going to be successful, you know, I need to, you know, you know, dive into this playbook and see all the options, all the creative, you know, ways to score without breaking the offense. So, you know, his whole thing was do not change the structure because we don't have position. So there was no point guard, shooting guard. It was two guards, two forwards in the center. Everyone must know everyone's position. You know, so learning, and I spent the whole summer, you know, teaching Larry where we can cut. So what ends up happening is we draft Antoine Jamerson. And that right there kind of helped the offense because he was a lift forward instead of a dive forward. So now when we do certain, you know, rotations and certain plays, that helps out everybody because it opens the floor up. You know, so that was a great that was a great pick by um, Ernie Grunfeld and them to to make that switch to uh, Antoine Jameson. Yeah, Jameson's just a guy like, I mean, you can speak on it, just consistent every single night. And I think if you played in this era even better going into the preseason something happens in Chicago who you see later in the year can you can you relive that and just tell us how that went down so this story has never been told the night before our preseason game we're in Chicago we hook up with Michael Jordan so you know everybody you know like uh Jared Jeffries is part of Jordan brand so that's one of Jordan's guys I'm one of Jordan's guys from Jordan camp so you know we we go hang out with MJ, we meet him at uh, this lounge bar, and um, he's already roasting. He got a cigar, got a, got his drink, roasting the team, and he's basically calling like, "Man, y'all are nothing but a bunch of peas. Y'all are just a bunch of girls. Y'all y'all don't have no fight in you, right?" And he's just like going at Brendan Haywood, Kwame Brown, just talking, just nothing but trash, right? So, <laughs> so what happens is. When we're in, the, when we're playing against um, Chicago, and we get in a little scuffle, we get in a little scuffle. I think Kirk Heinrich fouled. I think it was either Larry Hughes or Juan Dixon very hard, and Brendan decided. <clears throat> so he decided to chuck um, Kirk Heinrich, and I think they had was it one of the Davis was it one of the Davis boys. I want to say it was Antonio Davis. Antonio, yes, Antonio Davis. Then him and Brendan Haywood is going into it, and 
it's just Those are like big boys. Those yeah, big and we're trying to break that shit up. And you know, when when you get into it, you throw punches or push and all that stuff, they start suspending. But all we can think is Michael Jordan started this. If he didn't tell Brennan he was soft, I don't think Brennan would have did that. They suspend Larry. Brennan got two games. So Larry got one game. Brennan got two games. Anthony Pillar got one game. Which is, which I, it's one of those rules I don't like. The preseason, I do not like the preseason ruling because if you get in trouble in preseason, it affects your real game, which is stupid. Like, if I get in, if I do something in game one of preseason, don't let me play seven more preseason games and then find, this was a free game. I didn't get paid for this. So why are, why am I getting suspended for a real paid game? You know, so I didn't, I didn't like the fact of that because we played four more games after that, which they got to play, and then they get suspended for the first game. So that's one of those, that's one of those, those rules that I hate in the NBA. If it happens in preseason, let it stay in preseason. Unless it's the last preseason game, then yeah, mm-hmm. then the very next game. But don't something happens in game one and then it carries over to you know. And and, and besides that, you know. That the beginning of that season was kind of like a little rocky for us as mm-hmm. as a team because you know we're starting the first game off playing Memphis I think I'm suspended off of a a, a gun charge just a just and a light just a light gun charge just a little light gun charge but it was I go to the gun range the night before then I had a dentist appointment in two thousand um, in two thousand three in two thousand three the summer before I'm signing my deal to Washington or just a free agent. So I get pulled over, gun in my car. I was in Redwood City, and I guess no guns are allowed there. So um, I got in trouble for that. So um, it finally kicked in two years later. So I got suspended for, you know, one game, which was the same first game as everybody else. So, you know, so that first game, I'm missing. Larry Hughes is missing. Anthony Peeler's missing, and Brendan Haywood's Haywood. And Kwame Brown's missing. Because, big hole, big big hole in the team. Because what ends up happening is, he was playing. Um, <laughs> he was playing strongman games with his brother, and I guess a fucking tire fell on his foot and broke his foot. I don't know what what he was doing, but he broke his foot, so he's out also. So you know, so we basically start the season off like not knowing. Because, you know, he gets hurt right before the season, so we don't know who the power forward is at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, because, you know, we were going to the season training. It was me, Larry at the two, Antoine at the three, Kwame, and Brendan Haywood. That was supposed to be the lineup. So Kwame and Brendan Haywood. Yeah, so Kwame was Jameson. at the three, yeah. So we were going to be a, we were a big lineup. Yeah. I mean, that actually works. Jameson, Jameson can, can play the perimeter. Yeah, so, you know, because Kwame was fast, if the perimeter was pretty fast, we were gonna, it, it'd be a switch off. So, you know, the fact that you had Kwame and Brennan back there kind of clogged up the lane on defensively. So it, it, it worked. It, it worked on paper, but we never got to see it in action because Kwame, you know, gets hurt at the beginning of the season. Mm. I've, I've read that you're, you're superstitious, and I've read a little bit about your pregame routines. I read it involved same music and same meal from Boston Market. Yeah. Valid? Valid. Well, can you say yeah. what the meal is from Boston Market? I, I love Boston Market, by the um, way. I think it was chicken. It was 
either mac and cheese with uh, macaroni or mac and cheese no, or mac, um, sweet potatoes, mac and cheese. It was like a three combo, you know, mm. so it was sweet potatoes, mac and cheese, mashed potatoes and some chicken. And now what else consisted of the pregame routine that, that stayed the same? Um, watch, usually watch the Denzel movie that I fell asleep to. Um, same one every time? No, just different. Just as long just, as it was greatness. I just needed greatness. <laughs> I just needed greatness. Um, I take my nap, wake up, shower, do all that. Um, get in a car. I have to turn the music on. Like wherever I started that song, the first, that song right there. All the way through. So wherever my playlist was, that's the song that it starts with. And then I go all the way. I drive the same lane. Um, I don't. I don't speak on the phone on game day. Um, I try not to talk as much as possible. Like I'm. Like I'm more of a mute. You know. I, I want to use my words uh, very little on game day. You know. It's more about thinking about the game. Um, you know. Because I learned that first year that you know reporters can really mess up your head before the game if you let them. You know, they'll say some stupid shit like, hey, you going to pass the ball today? Like, I wasn't planning on it, but since you put that in my, map, my mind, you kind of thought, you're throwing me off here. You know, so after that first year, I kind of put some rules in. Um, you know, just, I thought it was rules for success. Well, it worked. Yeah, you know, like, what do I need my phone for on game day? What, what text message am I going to receive that's going to actually help me go perform? None. It's all negativity. You know what I mean? In my mind, it's all, you know, someone needs tickets. You know, um, your girlfriend want to know where's the baby diapers and some shit. It's so stupid. It's always somebody got caught cheating. They done, like, you you see it all. As long as they're on their phone, you see it. I've done seen it all. You know, a guy mood changed because his girl found another phone in the house and on a game. Like, you see it all. So I was like, you know what? No phones on game day. I think some guys today could probably use that advice, but it's harder. I mean, you're having, you have what, like a Motorola Razor in 2004, something like that? No, I have Blackberry. Blackberry. Oh, yeah, Blackberry. Um, quick question about Larry Hughes. I, I read that you accredited him going up against him in, in practice every day for your development. I don't think people realize like the perimeter defender he was. He averaged two, pretty much three steals a game in 04 or 05, which no player has done in the past 20 years. Talk about just, you know, one, your relationship with Larry and what it was like going up against him in practice every day. You know, Larry is one of those, those guys that prided himself on stopping people. Um, and, you know, as an offensive player, to really be great at offense, you have to understand defensive principles. So when people say, man, he's only one-sided, Technically, yes, because that's where he's putting all his energy. But for him to be great at offense, he has to know defense. Mm -hmm. He has to understand where you have to push him, where you have to play him, what are the rules to your defense. He has to know the whole breakdown. So he has to be smarter in the defense himself. So learning and going against Larry Hughes every single day, watching his move, watching his mannerism, when to go for a steal. Um, it kind of helped me out. It, it helped me gamble more on defense because, like, if I gamble for a steal, because, you know, I, I was, I think I was third in, I think I was third in steals. I think Who it was Larry, Iverson, then me. That one year. 
I think it was, uh, huh? I'll double check that. Yeah, so I think it was, uh, yeah, it's uh, Larry, Iris, and then me. So, uh, you know, what we did was we had like a net system where if I go for the steal, he's netting my guy. Mm-hmm. If I'm going, if he's going for a steal, I'm netting my guy. So we had like this, 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 this sink that we did. And, you know, it kind of, it kind of helped me out too, you know, defensively. Um, he always took all the matchups and what we did was he's going to beat them up on defense. I'm going to beat the ass up on offense. So we really gave him no break. So um, when he came to somebody like Iverson, he'll guard Iverson. If Iverson guarded me, I'm just going to keep coming at, you know, I'm going to keep going at Iverson to try to wear him down a little bit. Yeah, uh, and speaking of just like Iverson, the, the other people in the East. By the way, you were sixth in steals this year. I think the next, I was six. You were six. You're six. I'll, I'll read you the list. It's uh, Larry at one, two point nine. Then it's LeBron. Uh, then it's Iverson, LeBron, Marion, Brevin, Knight, and then you. Uh, and then the next year, you uh-huh. were four. You were fourth. I don't know if you were ever third. I was fourth. You were up there though. People, people should put a little. So is that like so that, that's are most of those steals gamble steals? Yeah, I'm. I gamble still. Only. Yeah. yeah, I gamble still. You know, trying to. You know, I'm. I'm trying to rip somebody, looking for passing lane. Um, you know, trying to use my ability. You know, at the end of the day, like I, I'm not gonna be. A, I'm not gonna be like Dwayne Wade, shot blocker and shit like that. You know, so me, I'm trying to. You know, get into that passing lane, dig down on the big. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, kind of tall, like if they're driving, don't reach and bail them out. Try to, you know, get back, get that still if they try to dump it off. So, you know, we kind of played by principle, and, you know, by rule. And, you know, it was, it was all off of what Larry Hughes did and what he brought to the table. So I know you said you, you took the playbook more serious in, in the offseason, and that might have led to your development. But was there any, like, tangible just skills and training moves, uh, situations that you practiced that you felt really showed in that season? Cause it was a big statistical leap, like pretty much across the board. Uh, you're, you're shooting like the same amount of shots, just your percentages are up. Was there any trainer or just aspects of your game that you, you really felt like came out this year? Actually, no. So what ended up happening is, you know, I'm training the same way. Um, you know, um, that's why I said we started off that season kind of rocky. So mm-hmm. we were trying to figure, if you look at our like first five, six, seven, eight games, we had a different lineup every game. Mm-hmm. You know, we were trying to figure out, you know, the best lineup that all of us fit. And what, when the, what ended up happening was Jared Jeffries. We, we, we played well with Jared, Jared Jeffries because Jared can play the four or the three. He can guard the one, two, three, four, five. And he doesn't so need the ball. Yes, yeah, so, and he doesn't need the ball. So it was a perfect, defensively, it was a perfect match for us. Because if we, mm-hmm. if we had to guard um, Chris Bosh, Jared, go get him. You know, if we had to go, you know, Vince Carter, Jared, go get him. <laughs> you know what I mean? So we didn't really have, so Antoine, we just, you know, we can hide players better. Mm-hmm. Um, so once we got the lineup set, what ended up happening was Larry gets hurt. So... I don't know if a lot of people know it, but Larry was playing like an all-star. So when it came to like the beginning of the season, it was, it was probably Larry, Antoine, then me for all-star voting. I was behind Larry. Um, 
I was behind Larry. I was third. Um, I was third. And I think I was third in scoring overall. And then he breaks his thumb. I think he breaks his thumb. And then we played um, San Antonio. Had a horrible game. Um, so you lost. And, you, yeah, you had. Yeah. Over three, 12. right? Over 12. Over 12. Yeah. So I, I had a fucking horrible game. Um, and then I think we played Dallas the next night, and then I, and then I caught fire. Forty-three. And then from there, I just took on the responsibility of what Larry was bringing to the table. So I think before that, I was averaging like eighteen, nineteen, and then by the time Larry came back, I'm averaging twenty-five a game. So yeah, I end up, so I end next, up going to the All Star. That next like thirty games, you're pretty much at thirty. Yeah. So I'm I'm taking on his scoring. And, you know, when I made the All-Star, I basically like, like nah, you got to come. You got to come. I'll pay for you to come because it's your All-Star. You know, if you didn't get hurt, this, this was yours, you know. Um, so, you know, he came, he supported. You know, he's a big brother to me. Um, so by, t- by the time he came back, mentally, I was a whole different player, too. Because now I've tasted how to carry a team, how to finish games, how to, like, really dial in. Um, you know, um, finishing games off, playing in the last five minutes. So, you know, with 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 Larry being out, um, it kind of like really had me, you know, hyper focused on you know tapping into another you know dimension for myself. How was that first All Star experience? Denver, 05. I mean, you're surrounded by LeBron, AI, Shaq, D Wade, Vince Carter. What, what's that like walking in there? It was, it was like, it was surreal. It was, you know what I mean? It's me, Dwayne Wade. I think it was me, Dwayne, LeBron's first all-star. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know if Chris Bosh made it that year, uh, but oh. I know for sure uh, us three, it was our first. So we was acting like first timers, you know what I mean? We want autographs, we want pictures. Um, it was just, it was just one of those things. Like I didn't even care about playing in the game. You know, looking at Beyonce and Jay-Z on the crowd and Kelly Rowland, all these people, you just see all these superstars. And I'm more care, I I care more about like looking at the crowd. I didn't really give a shit about that game, to be honest. It was just more of just the atmosphere. You know, I had all my friends come back from high school, come and, you know, celebrate with me. I I don't know if I'm gonna make it here again. So come on, everybody, come out and let's just enjoy this first one. Anything that the common fan doesn't know about All-Star Weekend? Um, we don't really want to be there. You know, for the, as a first timer, that is like, that is like the next level. Like I'm part of the 24. This is top 24. But you know, but for someone like Iverson, Kobe and all them, it's more of a, all-star break is more of a, like a mental break to get ready for the second part of the season. So that's why you don't see players really going as hard is because, you know, you know, if we take this year, right, you know, you got LeBron, you got Kevin Durant, you have, um, you know, Tatum, you got uh, Curry. Those guys are not going in that game and that weekend like we need to, you know, they're like, okay, this is like a vacation because everybody else is going to Cancun and shit. The role so players, like, yeah, the role yes. players are with their girls and like Turks and Caicos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you're, and, so, you're in, and you're in like, they're in like Cleveland this Cle- year. Cleveland. So now you got to bring your family in Cleveland and it's like your all-star weekend break trying to like, like, like 
to, to let it go before you get ready into the real part of the season. You know, once, you know, after All-Star break, if you're trying to make a push, that's where you, so, it, you know, so after All-Star break is where you really focus at. You know, those teams are trying to position themselves and, you know, to, 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 to have a great seed. Some, some teams are trying to make a push for the playoffs. Some teams are trying to figure out who they want to play in that first round. You know, so it's really more of a think is man games after, after that, um, after that all-star break. So, you know, most of those players don't really want to be there because it's like, we need this break. We need the physical break. We need the mental break so we can really go out and, you know, get ready for this playoff breach. You know where the all-star game is next year? Somewhere silly. Utah. What? Utah. Why? Why, why was someone going? I don't know. They're, they're doing all these cold weather cities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> at least, at least, at least to make the players have fun. We are getting down to the wire at the conference semifinals in the NBA playoffs, but the playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, DraftKings Sportsbook is back with a can't miss offer. New customers can bet just $5 on any NBA team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. What better way to turn a small bet into a big payday than with DraftKings Same Game Parlays? You know the drill. You can create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total assists, total rebounds, and much more. And boom, you have a shot for an even bigger payout. Right now, all customers can place a same-game parlay with three or more legs and get a free backup up to $25 if one leg does not hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code FORGOTTENSEASONS. Bet just $5 on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code Forgotten Seasons only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, so rounding out the, the regular season, 45 wins. Uh, you guys finish as the five seed, and you got those guys that, that Jordan got you up against in the preseason. You got Chicago, and you've said before that their coach made a big mistake, Scott Skiles. I think you said it on All the Smoke that uh, he messed up. He benched Eddie Curry, who yeah. uh, you felt that you guys just couldn't handle. I mean, you guys... I wouldn't say bigs were a strength on your team. Just talk about talk about why why that was such a big mistake on his part. Okay, so um, throughout this season, you know, you know, Brendan's in and out of the lineup because he was hurt. I think he had a broken finger too. He, Brendan had a broken thumb that uh, that year. Kwame Brown was in and out. Like so, what ends up happening is Kwame. By the time Kwame comes back. Kwame hasn't actually broken a starting lineup yet. So Kwame was coming off the bench. So he was a bench player now. He was the sixth man. Um, so what ends up happening is we're going into that playoff, that playoff round. Now, if you're talking about a lineup of Eddie Curry and Tyson, we have Brendan and at that part, Jared Jeffries. Which Inton Thomas. That's coming off the bench. We're yeah. talking about starting. So, you know, you, you got Eddie Curry, who's a off, who basically was an offensive, he was an offensive big. Curry was the defense. I mean, um, Tyson Chandler was the defensive big. So Curry down down low would have gave us problems because we didn't really have anybody 
to stop him while Tyson is cleaning up that backside. So by Scott Skiles eliminating Curry kind of kind of helped us out because they had to go a little bit smaller, which played better to us. Um, I struggled that, that series, to be honest, because if you look at my stats um, throughout that season, I think we played them three times. I was averaging about 30-something. Thinking about like 31, anywhere from 31 to 33 against them. I was, I was cooking them. They sucked. Um, playoffs is a whole different ball game. Who'd they throw um, on you? Heinrich or Gordon? Yeah, so they threw Heinrich, but they, they kept me. It's like they, they whole game plan was do not let me inside that lane. Um, we dropped, we dropped two games. I'm struggling. And I remember, uh, Drew, who was our strength coach, Drew was a uh, Scotty Pippen strength coach. And Scotty Pippen told Drew, the only way they beat us is this, if Gilbert plays decoy. He's not going to be able to do what he did in a regular season against them in the playoffs. He's going to have to be a decoy. Is he smart enough to decoy and let everybody else score? He said this to you? He said that to Drew. So Drew's telling me, he's like, he's like yo, Pip said, you know, um, he's like, Pip said, he, he said, this is what Pip said. He said, if, you, if you're going to try to, if you, you're not going to win this series by yourself. He said, if you want to win this city, I mean, this, uh, this series, you're going to have to average about 15 to 18. At 20 to 30, nah. Because you're gonna, you're gonna, your percentage is gonna be so bad trying to score those points. So either you're gonna be selfish and try, or you're gonna be decoy win. So I had to really sit there and think about it, watch the first two games, and realize, yeah, I'm not gonna pass the ball game three. You know, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> right? So game three, we come back home. But you know, after game two. What I realized about the playoffs was home court advantage was home court advantage. Like when we it's went legit. out there, we went out there that first, those, those two games and we came out of that tunnel and they started booing. You can feel that shit, that vibration in your chest. The way that Chicago, like you can, like you can, the vibration of boo, like, woo, this is rough. So I remember, um, I remember after game two in the paper, like, I went to the, in the paper and basically said, you know, can we please not boo Kwame Brown? At home. You know, at home. Because at that point, you know, he was, Kwame was having a, a real rough go at it, you know, at home. But, you know, you, you it was understandable. You got to think about it. Whatever happened with the Kwame, I mean, whatever happened with the Jordan era, that was that, those first two years. The next year, 10 and 7. He did well. He did, he did, he did, he did all right. He gets hurt that next year. So he's not with us. We positioned ourselves. We was playing well without him. That's what the city seen. The city seen, well, woo, we, we good. So when he comes in a game and he starts missing and all that shit, you know how fans get boo. Come on, they boo. Like, think about it. Ben Simmons got booed and they were the number one team in the East. They're the number one team in the East. So now imagine, you know, so they're booing Kwame Brown the last part of that season at home. Like, it was kind of, like, as players, it's like, we don't even want to pass on the ball because we don't want them to miss. Because if he misses, they're going to start booing. Like, it affects everyone. 
not just him. Because, you know, you're trying to play a game where they're booing him now. You're playing to the crowd. Now he's open. You don't want to pass him the ball because they're going to start booing. Kind of, you know, kind of really fuck shit up. You know, not to be honest. I mean, to be honest, it kind of it, it throws... It kind of throws the whole morale of a comeback when one person is getting booed. Um, so I go on the paper and say, please do not boo them. We need all our energy for um, Chicago. They booed us out of this goddamn city. You know what I mean? They booed us out of the city. So can you please, can you please just focus on these, you know? Um, so game three, we come out, we, 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 um, Ooh, no, no, no. Here, oh, here's something. So after game two, oh my God, after game two, no, so after we lose game two, our first practice back home was a fucking disaster. Oh, it was all, oh, it was a disaster. Players versus coaches. So what ends up happening is the coaches are trying to tell us what works. And we're trying to tell them what works. So both of us are right and both of us is wrong. Got to remember, coaches are looking like this. We're watching here. So they're looking at the defense like this. We're looking at it straight up. So what they're calling, we're like, that shit doesn't work. They're, they're, they're killing us with it. So what ends up happening is this is all you just bumping it. We're just yelling in practice. The coach, the coaching staff gets mad and said, well, fuck it. Fuck it. Y'all want to do it? Y'all think y'all know? Do this shit y'all sells. Do this shit y'all sells. Ain't nothing wrong with my offense. Ain't nothing wrong with my offense. It's y'all defense. Y'all don't know how to play defense. Right? And everyone, they stormed out. So Brendan Haywood was like, man, this shit's simple. We're going to do a one-two-two. Because back then we was playing zone two. One-two-two. Um, Gilbert, you on the left side. Um, Gilbert's on the left side. Jeffries. Jeffries at the top of the key. Not, not Larry? No, Larry on the side. What happens is when they do the pick and roll, when they do that pick and roll, Jared, you're, you get the roll guy. So you're rolling. You're, you're doing a, you know, so Larry, so you get the roll guy. Yeah, so you get the roll guy. You're doing so Larry, a, no, it's a so switch. You, you, no, you, and Larry, you and Larry actually end up on top. You're baiting. No, 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 no. So, no, so. Um, Kirk Heinrich, Jeffrey switch on to Kirk Heinrich. Larry rolls with Tyson, but he rolls him right into Brendan and pops back out. I am denying, just automatic straight deny Duhan all the way in the corner just so the ball wouldn't go to uh, Dane. So what they were doing is they're swing, swing, and Dane, and Dane did this, he did this run out of the corner move that... He's not, he don't catch and st he don't catch steel. He's moving on a go. So by the time the ball is swinging, he's running for the pass and Antoine is running by him every single time. So they kept picking on Antoine's side. So I had to deny Duhan so they couldn't even make that pass. Just let him go back the other way. So we kind of did that and that's what worked. That thing, that right there by Brendan Haywood taking over practice, put his ass in a doghouse moving forward in the rest of our career. Put Brendan in the doghouse? Oh, yeah, put Brendan in the doghouse. What do the coaches say when they see the shit that they didn't come up with working? Put him in the doghouse. You know what I mean? You know, you, you, you take, you know, I can say you take it personal. You know, you, as, as a coach, you, 
you want success, but you want like like certain people who think they're smarter than you, you know, says something and it works. You're like, ah, fuck that, fuck that dude. You know what I mean? It was one of those type of type of things. So you know, we end up we end up uh, winning game three. Um, three did that. They couldn't win, win game three. Kwame Brown uh, plays three minutes. Um, not a lot of time for them to boo. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think it was a coach's decision. Eton was playing well. Eton had twenty off the bench. Um, you got to remember, once you're coming off the bench, you're you're coming off. At that time, you have um, Eton, you have uh, Kwame, you have Michael Ruffin, Peter John Ramos. You have you know, pretty. It's it's loaded. So you know, Eton and you know, at that time, Eton and Kwame is going to um, fight for minutes. If Kwame was starting, then it'd have been Jared Jeffries and Eton fighting for minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Um, Kwame had a great game one, not so good game two. Going back home where he was getting booed, I guess Coach just went with, you know, Eton. Eton was playing well, so there was no point of putting Kwame in. Um, he only plays three games. Uh, yeah, he so he doesn't play at, after game three. And then after that game, I mean, after that was, game, while we're all like enjoying, enjoying the festivities of our win. You know, we got Betty Boo over there crying about playing time. You know, so um, he gets. Do you remember he gets suspended for the rest of the playoffs? Yeah, because it, it started that night where we win, we win, and he's over here yelling at. He's yelling to the. Um, I, I'm pretty sure what happened was a reporter probably asked him, "Hey, you know, you you didn't get very limited time today. What happened?" And then obviously Gilbert's fault. Um, <laughs> it's always Gilbert's fault. So he says something like, uh, "It's on Eton's page." Eton Eton talks about this this part of the um, um, scenario. So he says something, and I was like, "Man, I'm fed up at this point because we just we we won, and you're over there just crying." So I said, "Man, fuck, we're we're just better without the man. We're just better without him. We're better without him. We're better with him on the bench." And then they go to him. And he said, he said, they're better without you. And then he says, well, if he passes me the ball a little bit more, I, I can be good. And I'm like, well, fuck it. Every time I did give him the ball, he didn't do shit with it. Right? So that's, that's going on in the middle of a win. Like, we won. We won. And you're, you're sitting there crying like a little girl. So, you know, Kwame does what Kwame did best. You know, the best thing he ever did was put the bottle to his mouth. Um... Go home, gets drunk, you know. <laughs> it's Friday, it's Friday night, you know, it's Friday night. So obviously Kwame's gonna do what Kwame does. Go home, get drunk, and then, you know, pull one of those. Uh, <laughs> you know how like, you know how you get in a fight with somebody, and then when you get home by yourself, you 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 do what you wish you would have did. Wow, oh, man, I should have said this and do like yeah, you, yeah. You, you, all the time, all the time. Yeah. So we have practice the next day. So we have practice on a Saturday. So this is a Saturday. Saturday practice. He doesn't show. Um, he doesn't show up. Um, was it after game after game four? No, I got after game three. He didn't after show up. Three. So we play Friday. We play Friday. I think that's the 29th. And then we uh, we have practice on that Saturday. Um, our next game is Sunday. So we have the practice Saturday. He doesn't show up for the practice. Um. And then I guess the excuse was at first that he was sick. You know, he was sick. And then I guess he told the papers that, you know, he didn't want to show up because um, he was going to slap me. 
You know, he don't, he don't know what he would have did if he showed up in practice because he was going to slap me. Because in some way, he thought I told Coach to bench him because he was in my way. Um, so he didn't show up to practice. Which, to be honest, who gives a shit? Right? <laughs> we just won by 20 without him. We've won the whole season without him. So you got to remember... We're not talking about a guy. We're not talking about a player that was there from the beginning to the end. I don't even, like, to be honest, I don't even remember Kwame Brown that second year. Like, so when, when this big old fight started between him, I'm confused. Like, motherfucker, I don't, I don't remember saying shit. About, I don't even remember. To be honest, I don't even remember you the second year. He was injured. We was playing. We, you know, I'm hyper-focused. Larry's out. Like, so I'm really engaged in the... And, you know, in, in trying to, you know, be the best I can, I'm not paying attention to what you're doing and who you are. So when, when he didn't show the practice, it was like, hey, what the fuck I give a fuck for? Well, why do we care? <laughs> like, so we go on and we went without him. Four games. I was right. We don't need him. <laughs> Four in a row. Four in a row. Is that game five shot? Where's that ranking? Your favorite shots of your career? I think of one. That was other. probably the first. Uh, that, that was probably the the. I'll, I'll say that's the best one. Um, and, and here's why: I'm having a horrible game five. I think I'm like two for fifteen. Um, we were up twenty. And Pargo, Jeremy Pargo comes in and. The whole crowd is leaving, and they all left the building. It's empty. Gennaro um, Pargo. Gennaro Pargo. I'm sorry. Um, I'm thinking about the brother. <laughs> yeah, I got the brothers. And he comes in, and he's just falling. Three after three. I mean, it was just like, yo, like, man is on fire. He just caught fire, brought them all the way back. And then, you know, they tied the game up. And I remember going to the bench, like, I can feel like I didn't see it. I can just feel the crowd all back in there. Like Michael Jordan, all of them. I'm I just Michael Jordan, Scotty Pippen, the whole 96 Bulls. Like it just felt like everybody was in there. Like, They're here for Gil. Yeah, yeah. So I, I have no idea what Eddie Jordan was talking about. I don't know what he drew up. All I'm thinking is, this is my time. This is, this is what it's all for. I'm going to hit this shot. And I'm just like sitting. I'm going to hit this shot. I'm going to drive left. I can't get all the way to the basket. I'm going to just pull up, hit the jumper in his face. Yes. That's what I'm doing. So all I hear is break. Break. Go on. I think it was Anthony Pillar taking the ball out. All I said is, hey, man, just give me the ball. Just give me the ball. Get the fuck out of the way. <laughs> I don't even know what the play was. <laughs> so all I did was just pop out, boom, let the time go. And then all I seen was Larry take a V line. And then I see like a pick, pick. Oh shit. The lane is open. So I drove and then I seen Tyson stop. To, like he's trying to stop that lane. So I'm like, all right, pull up time and just pulled up. Splash. And I reviewed the play, and I was like, oh, was this a double pick 
Down is a double baseline pick for Larry because Larry's by himself over in that corner because Larry was balling. So I guess they said it was supposed to be a double pick, baseline pick, and Larry was curling. All I seen was Larry dipped out, drive left. <laughs> it's guilt time. It's guilt time. I zoned out. I didn't know what I didn't know what he wrote. I, 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 to this day, I just I just assumed by looking at the play that it was a double had to be a double baseline pick. I'm sure the ghost of Michael Jordan loved that. Yeah, I mean, it was it was one of those things where, you know, it was probably the hardest. That was probably like I had I had that picture and I just look at the crowd. Just looking at just different people inside the crowd doing this and oh my God, head down. And just to see that the hope they did all that. That that is the worst loss. When you lose by 20, it already done sunk in. But to be down 20, catch up, have hope, and then have the hope taken away, you know, just just that power that it gave me mentally pushed me into another level. Well, push you into another level. You win that series in six. And you said this before, but that Shaq and Wade coming now, it's a lot different than Gennaro Pargo and, and Tyson Chandler. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was... Uh, <laughs> so, before that season, we played Dwayne Wade in Miami. So it was like a little a little rivalry between me and Dwayne. Um, His rookie year? Nah, this was um, this was 0405. So, so you're saying reg- reg- regular season? Yeah, this regular season. So I guess Shaq is them there. So everyone's talking about Miami. So Miami's coming to town. So a reporter asked me, like, uh, how are you supposed to stop this team? And I, I think that was the team. So 2004... That Olympic team, they lost, right? Yeah, that's the the, the Ginobili year. Yeah, so I was like, um, uh, Dwayne Wade can't shoot, so we just do what they did in the in in uh, in the Olympics on him. You know, he can't you know he can't shoot a gun. <laughs> we're we just sitting laying on him, right? So I said it, and then I instantly regretted that shit. Right? I called, hey, give me Dwayne Wade's number. I called, hey, man. I didn't mean none of that I said, bro. I didn't mean none of that I said. I hate, I hate Mono Ginobili. <laughs> yeah, so like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't mean none of that, Dwayne. I am sorry. And no, he didn't, he didn't accept my apology. Like, he accepted the apology, but it didn't seem like he accepted it on the court because he killed us every in game. In year two. Of his yeah, he was career. killing us every game. It's like he took that shit personal. So when we played them in the playoffs, oh, I know he was like, yes, God damn it. Um, they were just a big, they were just a big team. They were just big, they were big, they're a veteran team. Um, you know, you have Shaq, you have Alonzo Morning coming off the bench. You know, you have Dwayne Wade finding his game. Um Eddie Jones, Damon. Eddie, Jones. oh yeah, you did have Eddie Jones there. Um, you know, so it was, it was, it was a team that, you know. <laughs> what are we gonna beat? I don't even think we beat them in regular season. I, I don't know. No, no, no 0 for, for eight. Yeah, because I remember there was a sign. It was a sign after. Um, after, no, after we won Game Six, it was like, "Bring on!" Uh, after Game Six, bring on the heat. Bring on the heat, right? Game four. 
Game four at home. I remember I'm, I'm sitting there exhausted, and I look up at a crowd, and it said, you wanted the heat? Your ass just got burned. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, that is so hilarious, but I cannot laugh right now. I cannot laugh right now, but that sign is hilarious. You wanted the heat, now your ass just got burned. But, yeah, they, they beat on us. There was no... But that let us know how far off we were. You know, um, you know, I can be honest and say if Eddie Curry was in that first round, we we wouldn't have beat them. You know, our we were heavy guards. We were we were better guards. They would have been better bigs at that moment. Um, nothing against you know Brendan Brendan them, but you know Eddie was Eddie was a scoring big that had power. You know, and and um, Tyson Chandler just played his ass off. Mm-hmm. I had I actually just talked to Andre Miller and we were talking about a Blazers team when he was with Greg Oden and he said two guys that he felt could have been all-time great big men that didn't pan out are Eddie Curry and Greg Oden. So he he Eddie Curry literally came up like No, four Eddie, hours no Eddie was Eddie was Eddie was very very skilled. He was a skilled big man. Um to be honest he had uh his jumping ability was nice also. It wasn't mm-hmm. like he was just some some fat dude who didn't get off the floor. He he, you know, I'm pretty sure he had probably like a 36, 38 vertical for being as big as he was. Um, hey, big, big um, man. You know, I, I think he had heart problems or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of like you know hurt, you know, hurt his uh, his career. But yeah, we we even with heart problems and him him on the floor would have just it it, it would have changed it would have changed you know that series for them. So. You guys get swept by Miami, and then something that I just think is ridiculous is that the next three years, you get LeBron every single year in the first round. At what point does it get like, why? Um, why, why like, why? The, fir- the first year, we, we were the better team. I think we just got outsmarted. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was something that I caught, I caught later watching film. Um, and what it was was when LeBron, LeBron the decoy at the beginning of the game, and what he did was when he wanted to get to the basket and take over, it gave Coach a look, and that look was to take out the big man. And once we take out, once they take out Agauskas, we take out Brendan. Now, our backup big was, at that point, it was either Eton or Michael Ruffin. Well, at that point, LeBron is not 6'8 anymore, like the fucking piece of sheet says. You know what I mean? He's not sitting at 6'8". <laughs> he's like, he's all of 6'10". And he's just running through the lane, unguardable. Like, so if you ever look at all the game runners she made against us, Brendan Haywood is not in the game. Because he subs at Galskis so he can get to the basket. And now you have 6'10", 265 with a 44-inch vertical coming through the lane. You know what I mean? So it was, it was one of those things where he just, out, they just outsmarted us. Um, but it was a hell of a series, though. You know, everything went down to the wire. I mean, I think all of their wins, yeah, I think two of their four wins was game winners, basically. Mm-hmm. Last second shot. I think three of their wins was basically that. In 06? Yeah, I think three three of their wins was, or was that the 05, 06? Yeah, three of yeah. their wins. And then 07, I was hurt. 
08, mm-hmm. I came back and, you know, so I only got to play against him that one, one great series. Other than that, it was, we was hurt. I was hurt. So you think 05, 06 was, what, what, what Wizards team do you think was the best team you had? Complete team was probably the 05, 06. 0506. Oh, so, so you swap out Hughes for Butler and turn uh, no, Daniel. but no, no, no. Um oh six oh seven. I think I think our team was very good. Oh six oh seven. Um I think we had a very, very good team, oh six oh seven. Um because Larry Hughes is 0405. Mm-hmm. No, Larry Hughes is 0405, right? Because he left, mm-hmm. he left too. Yep. Oh five oh six. Butler. 0506. Yeah, I think our 0506 team. I think our 0506 team was because we had Jared Jeffrey still. Right? We still had Jared. Um yep. Antonio Daniels comes in. Uh that's Blotch's rookie year. He doesn't play much, but he comes yeah, in. Yeah, see, Blotch was Blotch was um somebody we were banking on. Very, very skilled, very smart basketball player. Um, he just didn't, it just didn't pan out because he was supposed to be the future four. Antoine go to the three, Kron at the two. Now we got four guys who can really put that ball in the basket. Um, but he just, it just never panned out that way. Mm. We had to keep going smaller and we had to get Deshaun Stevenson. Um, he was very, he was very solid for us, you know, um, you know, that was a great year. You know, you know, when people say you didn't win a championship, yeah, I got hurt at 25. Everybody was still early 20s, so we really never had a veteran team of 28, 29, 20. We didn't have that. Everybody was 22, 23, 24. And so we really never got to really tap into, you know, being, you know, prime players. You're the GM. What type of players are you trying to surround yourself with? If I'm the GM, you're back at, then at, at 24, 25. Like what, 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 what two or three skill set players do you think suit you the best? In today's game, I pull players from today's game. Yeah, sure. Why not? Um, for my offense, I'll take Jokic. It's a great I'll take you, game. I'll take Jokic from my offense. Um, I can use a clay. Jokic, Clay, can't go wrong with a Draymond. I love Draymond. Um, like a Mikel. I mean, Bridges. it's obvious to say LeBron or Kevin Durant, yeah. right? You know what I mean? Be realistic. I know, yeah. So it's you know more realistic of pay grade, and you know, um, I think a nice three and D guy, you know, or maybe another shot creator. Probably, I can probably do some work with a a, a player like Ingram. Mm. Brennan Ingram. Uh, got a big team. Yeah, you know, because with Jokic and Clay on the court, me on the court, you know, that lane is open. You know, Jalen Brown, somebody like that, Pascal. You know, you, you got guys who can really think the game still. You know, with Jokic, everybody else around him is smart. You know, I don't have to be the primary playmaker. I can just be a scorer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jokic is one of those guys who's a 
number one option or he can make himself a number three option. Or he can go 30, 10, and 10, or he can go 15, 12, and 12. You know, depending on, you know, he's going to do whatever it takes to win. Um, so with him being on the floor, you get the – that's why Murray can go for 50, you know, at any given time. And you, it doesn't take away from Jokic because Jokic is like, I'll get everybody else involved. You do you. You know, so I think, you know, with that lineup, that would have been a great lineup for me. Mm. Well, before we get you out of here, I, I just got to ask, you know, looking back at you during that time, just being so ahead of your time at the point guard position, I think you're one of the first players ever to, to average 25 and hit two threes a game. You know, one of the first players ever, which is crazy, because that's, you know, a walk in the park for everybody that's scoring 25 these days. <laughs> yeah. what, is it, what is it like just watching this new generation of, of point guards really play exactly like you were back then, uh, and then some with, with more shooting, but not many guys back then who are, who are shooting, you know, volume, from three. You know, what's so funny is, you know, when people talk about generational players, I guess everyone uses Allen Iverson when it's, it was technically me. Allen was a shooting guard. He was the culture. I think he was. I that, think he was yeah. Gen- he you breathed. know, when they say, you know, he changed the guard play. It's like, no, that te- technically no, because after the first year, they pushed him to the two. I never got pushed to the shooting guard. So I stood my ground as the point guard. Um, so, you know, while, you know, Mulberry and Francis, you know, they were being called ball hogs, you know, we were, we were like the little ball hog crew. But, you know, the way I played the game, I still had two guys that averaged, you know, uh, 20 also, 19 and 20. Um, you know, I think just the flair I played with that group, this, that next group is watching, you know, and I think that's what people don't understand, like, the guard you see now is because of how I played the game. I made that position fun. All that back to the basket that, you know, set him up big man style. Like, cause I remember I used to bump heads with coaches. I'll do my pick and roll and they'll switch and coaches be like, dump the ball down, down low. For what? <laughs> you don't see the mismatch. And it's like, technically that's not a mismatch. It looks like a mismatch until I pass the ball. Then it's not a mismatch. What's going to happen is I pass it. They see the mismatch. They hurry up and double. He kicks it out. Swing it, swing it. Bad shooter in the corner because we all put our bad shooters in the corner. It's not like we're putting our great shooter in the corner because you want your great shooter on the same side as the big man. So if they double, you pass it. We put our bat. So that means it's going to go, 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 go. We pass it to him. He breaks. Or I have a big man on me. I can go one for flat, beat the big man to the basket. Who's back there to block me? The guard. Yay. <laughs> the same guard that I once, you know, and then now I can throw it up or dump it off and he has an easy dunk. So, you know, getting coaches just to, just to realize that because they were so old school, you know, so challenging, you know, coaches, um, their game plans, the, the, what they were taught, what they learned when they were taught. Like, the game is moving. The game is faster. The game is, like, I've watched enough basketball in my lifetime, believe it or not, like, to understand what works and what didn't work way back when I was little because, you know, I wasn't the most athletic, you know. So I had to learn the game from, you know, being, you know, it was more of X's and O's. You know, like, my roommates, my roommates were – um, Dunleavy and Luke Renauer. 
At what, camps? In camps. So from 10th grade all the way to our senior year, those were my two roommates. So think about those type of players. So that's what my brain was looking at. Oh, you know, we got to do. So I'm learning the white boy (laughs) fundamentals. I I didn't want to say it. Yeah, yeah, I'm learning the white boy fundamentals, you know, and then my athleticism kicks in. You know, so, you know, me watching the game, I had to watch it with detail. So, you know, looking for advantages on a court. And then I just brung that, that with Flair and Eddie Jordan was just like, do you? You know, and once you have a coach that says, do you, it's kind of hard to stop that player. What do you see in today's game that you think teams are just grouping and, and, and doing because everybody else is doing like that? You were saying, you know, dump it to the post when you have the switch. Is there anything in today's game that you see that's just become the norm that, that, that you yeah, think should uh, be? Yeah, uh, threes and layups. And I, I, I think what ends up happening is, you know, everyone wants to be the next this. Right. So, you know, back then when small ball was going on, when I played, everybody wanted to be the sons. Yeah. Well, unless your ass have Steve Nash and Amari Stoudemire, that ain't going to work. <laughs> yeah. That's not going to work. <laughs> um, you know, same thing with Jason. You have Jason Kidd, Kenya Martin, and Richard Jefferson. That's why they can play that way. You have the pieces to play that style. We are in the East doing the same thing. We have the pieces to play that. style. If you don't have the pieces, you can't do that. So, when you're talking about threes and layups, and well, if you have Curry, Clay, you got Barbosa, you got Harrison Barnes, you got five, six, seven players in the top 10 in three point percentage. Of course, they can chuck threes. But when your team, everybody's fucking 200 to 400 in three-point percentage. You don't shoot 43s a game. You know, and, and I think that's what the problem is. Everyone looks at the best players and say, that's what we're going to do. No, 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 no. They're the best players. They're the best. Like, if we watched a game where it was LeBron James on a court with um, Zach Levine, um, John Morant, and uh, Zion Williams, and they played in the game, and all they're doing is dunking lobs and dunking and dunking and lobbing. I'm pretty sure everyone's going to be like, yeah, we just need to get some dunkers and some lobbers. <laughs> they're scoring so easy. Of course. Look who they fucking have on the team. You know, so I think that, you know, everyone's trying to play the Golden State style, but they don't have a Clay Curry and a Kevin Durant on their team to shoot those threes. I've seen one game, they shot, it was some, something was... 13 for 50. I think the Celtics and yeah, was that recently? Well, I think the Celtics. You don't fuck on your team. Like, okay, like, like I'm thinking about my team, right? We were big in shooting threes. Two of us. Mm-hmm. Two. I can't even imagine who else would have been shooting threes to give us 25 more. Whoever that was would have cussed the fuck out. I'm sorry. But you, but but that's what it's allowed now. Just anyone, like you have players that that are horrible shooting more threes than Ray Allen did. Like, how are you shooting five, six a game? What? And you wonder why the scoring overall is not better. Like, I we was averaging about one hundred and four. It's one hundred and six to one hundred and eight today in today's game. 
And you guys are shooting at least 15 more threes per game. I think the analytics just creeped in way too much. I mean, and it, but it's that, you but you're, yeah. you're, you're analytically off of the best team. Like what's so funny is back in Showtime days, they averaged 110 to 118 points a game through the league. No threes. No three. They was not shooting. So there's something everyone's missing here. Like if you shoot, you got to remember, threes and layups, that's just pure missed baskets. The reason that free throws are very important is because it stops the clock. So you get two points and the clock is stopped. So that means, you know, if a guy is sitting there with 15, the team is shooting 25, 33s, you're going to bet he's, they, that team scores 115 because that's, that's 30 points that really didn't affect the shot clock. That's how I scored. Mm-hmm. I waited till we were in a penalty. From there, it's, it's bulldog basketball. I'm Tasmanian devil at that point. I'm just trying to get fouled. Stop this clock. I can shoot this free throw. It doesn't go against my, um, my shooting percentage. percentage. Yeah. So I can, steal, I can steal these free throws, get nine of them a game. Don't affect Antoine or Karan or Antoine and uh, Larry Hughes. Hmm. You ever think about going into coaching? I mean, you're making waves in the media space right now, but... Um... To deal with a player like me? No. Ooh. Ooh. How, how do you deal with a player making $45 million? <laughs> You don't have to be a head... You don't have to be the head coach. You don't have to take... Yeah, I mean, I don't shit. mind being like, like... Like, I'm more of a, a winter's... Was it no? Uh, what was that? What was that? Is that his name? Text winners. Oh yeah, text winners. Yeah, I'm, I'm more of a text like guy. A, like, yeah. a sh- like a trainer, shooting coach behind the yeah, scenes. Yeah, trainer, shooting coach, or just that guy that people that can, can talk to. That I know who to sub in at what time. So I'm one of those types. Like, all right, yeah, Jokic or this player is great right now. He is bad at this moment. He hates this guy. This guy that averages four points for us will average 12 against him because somehow he has his number. Like, I can see that. No, 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 no. Don't put him at the end. Don't put this guy in at the end of the game because the last three minutes he chokes. Mm -hmm. You know, he might be our star player first three quarters, but in the fourth, no, 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 no. So don't call any plays for him because he doesn't know how to play in the last four minutes. See, I'll know. I'll know that stuff. That's what I pay attention to. Tex Arenas. Arenas, yeah. There we go. We'll look out for it. Uh, I mean, any just closing thoughts? I mean, 20, 20 years now almost since that, that 04, 05 season, your breakout year. It is what it is. You know, the dust has settled. Just what do you, what do you think about that, that time and of your I, you life know, today? You know, you, know, for, you know, for being there my second year, you know, making the playoffs, hitting a game winner, winning a series, you know, I think – for the city, I think that's, I think that was it. Everything else was, you know, cherry on top for them. You know, something that wasn't done by the Michael Jordan, by Chris Weber, and, you know, Jawan Howard and them winning the series. And I think, you know, me going in there, doing that, I think that right there, you know, <laughs> it set the tone. You know, I, I think it set the tone. And, 
you know, and, and, it, and it felt it felt great. You know, you can see I'm standing on the table. I'm swinging the, the, yeah. the, the towel around. It was just, you know, it was just a whole vibe. It was just a whole vibe. And, you know, I don't I don't care what anybody says. And I, I, the only person that can say that had crowd control like that is probably Curry. You know, Curry is one of those guys that, you know, he plays to the crowd. He talks. He has fun. He enjoys it. Um, and you know, that's what I did. You know, when I look around and see crowd control, probably Curry has the Curry has the most crowd control where he can he can get that Golden State fan base to do whatever whatever he wants. And he can you know, shut the and he can they, they shut should, he can shut be afraid. They should be afraid when he does this means everybody come onto the court. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he can and he can shut the road team, the road crowd up real quick. I've never seen somebody yeah, silence. Yeah. They hold their breath every single time he touches the ball for real. <laughs> every time he touches the ball, everyone's like, Ugh. silent. Yeah. For real. I was in Memphis for game one. And it's just like, even when he's missing, it's just like, whenever he touches the ball, silence. Like, you know, what's so funny. It's like, there's some players in the league, when they make it, you're like, oh, shit, he made it. When he misses, you do that. Oh, yeah. shit, he missed. Oh, <laughs> he missed. It's so <laughs> like true. When Clay, when Clay missed free, I was like, oh, shit, Clay. Like, like what you're trying to like? Did he really miss? Are those real misses? Those are real misses. Are you like these guys became so good at what they did? You were surprised when they missed shot. They're so fun to watch, bro. Like yeah. I mean, I, I know the Grizzlies are like they got Moran. He's doing crazy stuff, explosive. But when you're talking about like basketball, like the way that they move and and zip. If you watch the Warriors, whenever somebody touches the ball immediately something happens. It's either a pass, shot, or a dribble. There is literally no pass and stand. And it, it, it works. And now Poole is looking like the reincarnation of, I don't know, Jamal Crawford on steroids or something. Yeah. It's crazy. And that's, and that's why that's why I like watching him because it reminds me of the Princeton. We was the Princeton. Mm-hmm. You know, cut and pass, pass and cut. You know what I mean? Don't stand, move without the ball. And like, you know, like I show my kids I show my kids, like I, I personally think every, every, at every level, they should be teaching Princeton often because the more everyone's working on their individual skill, they're not realizing that there's only one guy for most times that gets to hold the ball like that. And if you guys are working on the individual skill with the ball, that means you're not learning how to score without the ball. So if you're not the number one option, you don't know how to score at this point anymore. So yeah. I think, you know, integrating, you know, just the, the Princeton so everyone understands movements. When this guy has the ball, cut, slash. My guy looked, cut behind him. Like, to understand how to move and be great with other great players. It's tough to do that in AEU. Yeah. Impossible. Yeah, because yeah, um, everyone cares about, you know, being the, the, the man. If you don't like it, you switch teams. So everyone's moving and going. Really hard. Bring back the the old school days. You're like <laughs> yeah, you're yeah, like yeah. a pioneer for the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, all right, Gil. Well, you gave us some gems, man. I, I really appreciate that. I know that just my community loves loves you first of all, and that that wizard season, like you said, people get so caught up in the championship or bus. You know, you won a playoff series for a city that hadn't had anything in damn near yeah. twenty years. You know, that's. That's a championship in its own right. So uh, yeah, I'm glad we got to do this. And yeah, yeah, championships. You know, you got to have the right, the right, the right team Luck. at the right time with the right matchups. Yeah, you know, like 
You know, like everyone talks about Kevin Durant, you know, going, getting four old. You have the worst matchup. Like, you don't want to play Boston. You, like, you would have rather been AC than play, you know, eh, you probably wouldn't play Miami. You probably wanted to play Chicago or a team like that. You just, you know, Kevin Durant, you got to be, you're being guarded by Jalen Brown, Tatum, and Marcus Smart. Hor- Horford too, and they're funneling yeah. you. And I don't get, I don't, I'm sorry, I don't get, I'm not going to talk down on Steve Nash, but he's playing at the same time on the court. Uh, Seth Curry, Kyrie, Bruce Brown, and Dragic. Because he's trying to, he's trying to put up. It makes sense offensively because you're trying to, you're trying to relieve pressure, or Kevin, because the more defensive players you have, the less the defense actually wants to move, and that's what happens to the Lakers. So what happens is you have three guys on the floor that's there for defense, no offense, means the two offensive players are being guarded by five defenders. Makes it harder for them. You know, so it's, it's, it's trying to pick out that balance to, to relieve. Like, so with Kevin Durant, you want to put more scores, so everyone has to play man-on-man, and you can't funnel them. Mm-hmm. But then those, sorry, those, those guys now got to play defense, which they're not very good at. <laughs> uh, I, hope, I hope LeBron just you know, sucks up his pride. Go, go somewhere comfortable. You know, we, we, you're not supposed to be like grinding for 40 minutes. You're but it's, 40 it's, minutes LA. Of, it's LA. It's LA, man. No, you, but get, like, you can get anybody to come to LA. They got some, they got some work to do. And I don't know if they got the, in the front office, I don't know if they have the people that are able to figure that out from what Yeah, but that, that purple and gold, like, you know, Magic Johnson can call anybody and say, hey, come on to the lake and to the Sunshine City. It's true, <laughs> but the, everyone's making so much money these days. Endorsement deals doesn't matter where you are. You still think? Certain cities, I guess. Yeah, because no matter what, you, you, become a, you, become a, you become a superstar. Like, look how... Look at the flop side of it. The White Howard was second in scoring, number one in rebounds, number one in blocks. He got booed out of L.A. They didn't even look at Paul Gasol, who was having a horrible year. No, it's, it's the White Towers' fault. Westbrook averages, what, 18, 8, and 7? Just booed the fuck out of here. That's how, that's how they can break you or make you in L.A. You know what I mean? You know, so if, if, if he was averaging a triple-double, those triple-double years, he would have been fucking mega. But, you know, that's the type of city when you go to them them, them, them big-time cities. If John Morant was in L.A., come on. Come on. Come on. Bring, I'm in New York now. Bring somebody to New York. Zion's coming that way. Yeah, I'm sure Zion's coming that way. Yeah, but again, you know, I love Zion. I'd love him. But why not, like, a star that doesn't have massive question marks and, and, and might ha- not have an unfixable foot? I'll, I'll take just, just once, you know, naturally, I'd love for it to happen. <laughs> but but uh, it's I've said it and usually New York Knicks fans don't want to hear it. They hate it. They're stubborn. They're stubborn. They don't get it. And they have to understand just human human nature. Just they they go a New York Knicks fans go against human nature. And they don't realize it like you're booing your home team expecting that the boos Help them perform better. Where does that happen on anything else in life? If you're, if you're in the middle of a rap battle, right, 
and I start booing. I'm on you. I'm I'm your friend, and I just start booing you. You shut down, right? If you're in a big of a concert and the crowd start booing, you don't spit out harder rhymes. You say "f you" and get get off stage. If you're a comedian, you start booing. He doesn't pull out his best jokes. He gets the hell out of there. If you're having if you're having a sexual relationship with your girl and in the middle of it you start booing her, you start booing her. She doesn't bring out the A1 game. This it's F you and she's out of there, right? Try it. Go in, in the middle of her doing something. You shoot boo. But the New York fans think that turns into success. It doesn't. It makes them resent you. It makes the players not want to be there. It makes them not want to go out there. Every new, besides the crazy New York fans and I mean New York players in the 80s, early 90s, everyone since everyone since then, they hate, they hated playing for the Knicks. Everyone loves playing against the Knicks in the garden. Like we love go as an opponent, come there, whoop on you guys. Watch the booze come in. But, but, that's, but that's the thing. The reason everybody loves playing is because it's technically a home game for the star. If I can come there and I get going, you're going to cheer for me. And your booze to me is like, yeah, let's egg this on. When you boo your home, that's hurtful. Imagine I just hit four threes and you're booing. They're booing you and they're cheering me. How do you feel like shit? I know somebody that they could bring in to maybe consult the players for how it feels to be booed by their home crowd. On the brown. <laughs> but look at him. Look out. Look. But they, no, 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 no. Actually, if, if you really want to get this point across, think about it. Look how Kwame Brown performed at home. Look what happened to Ben Simmons at home. Look what happened to Westbrook at home. Now, you're doing it to your whole team. See, they think, like, I remember I said it. I said, Randall, you're saying you love New York Knicks fans. And that was the soundboard, dude. It was, the bu- it was out of the bubble. There was only 2,000 people allowed in a, in a stadium. They used the soundboard, so there was yeah. no booing. Even the, even the ref, the refs even put in a rule. The refs put in a rule that the, 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 the crowd that usually says, Ref, you suck. They're not allowed to play that. So home crowds who said that. So part of the deal in the bubble in that first year, the, the refs put in, you can't say, they, the soundboard can't say ref, you suck. So it became a great atmosphere. So now for the first time in the garden, it was all positivity. It was all positivity. So like until the crowd changes, as an opponent, we look at there and we're like, damn, they boo their home, they boo their home fans. I don't want to sit here and play 42, 41 games in this city and they boo 38 of them. Fuck that. <laughs> That's horrible. That's a hey, horrible but, feeling. Hey, but when you perform, we're, you know. Yeah, but think, think about throughout a game. It's, it's an up know. and down game. Listen, so you, don't, da- you, you don't got to tell me it's the whole 10 million people in New York that have to hear this that. They're, I know, not, I, I, it's, they're not changing. No, they booed they booed Beirut, my dude. You know? They booed, they booed Derek Jeter. <laughs> if Michael Jordan was there, they would have booed Michael Jordan. You know, that's probably uh, that's that's New York. 
But that's why, but that's why you're looking at a team that that spends the most money in franchise history, but they have the worst home record. New York Knicks has the worst home record in in basketball history. Percentage-wise? Yep. God, so you're just yeah. So I'm just gonna I try to look at why why things are successful and why things aren't. I had to do the study on it. A study by Gil. <laughs> um, that's a great way to end it. It's a somber note telling me I'm going to be miserable for the rest of my life as a Knicks fan. It happens. It happens. Um, all right, bro. Well, we'll tap into you um, on the No Chill podcasts. One of the best out there. Thank you. Thank you again for your time. I'm excited to put this out to the people. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you for having me. That's a wrap. Appreciate you guys tapping in. That was Forgotten Seasons with Gilbert Arenas on the 2005 Wizards. This is your host, Dylan Dreyfus, the creator of Forgotten Seasons. Catch you next week. Till then, peace. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com